Chapter Twenty Three of Gossip in the First Decade of Victoria's Reign by John Ashton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three: An English Dinner, Consuls at Par, The Running Rain Case, Other Frauds, Royal Visitors, Opening Letters by Government, Duke of Wellington's Statue, Barry on the Thames, Visit of Louis Philippe, Guano. Queen Opens Royal Exchange, Lord Mayor Hissed. As the length of time between this date and the present writing is great, and our social habits have somewhat changed, it may be interesting to some of my readers to hear a Frenchman's account of an upper-class dinner. It is taken from the Constitutionnelle, the organ of Monsieur Thiers. Madeira wine has been out of fashion in England for some time, sherry and port to which are occasionally added bordeaux and champagne rhenish wines and hermitage are now the only wines to be seen on the tables of the rich as for beer the national drink it only makes its appearance at a banquet for remembrance sake and in very small quantity port wine is held in especial favour by the english because while it is more impregnated with alcohol than any other it is at the same time the least irritating and facilitates more than all the rest the important operations of the digestive organs in order however to be possessed of all the requisite qualities it must not only be of the finest growth or have been eight or nine years in the cellar but the regular connoisseurs insist that it must cross the line several times in order to be first-rate five or six servants with powdered wigs in silk stockings and knee-breeches hover about the table the covers are always changed at every successive course and there is no fear of eating off the dirty plate of one's neighbour or passing his knife or fork the sideboard being laden with piles of plates and conveniences of every description after fish which always constitutes the first course the host invites one of his guests to drink a glass of wine with him desiring him to help himself to that which he likes best you take that which is offered you your host then pours out a glass for himself and sends you the bottle by a servant you fill your glass you raise it to your lips with a half bow and drink as much of it as you feel inclined the same ceremony is repeated among the other guests it should be mentioned that if you ask a lady to take wine you always fill her glass before your own but if you invite a gentleman so to do you never fail to help yourself first this custom was formerly very inconvenient to strangers it being then absolutely necessary to empty one's glass at present you need only drink a portion and ladies may satisfy the rules of etiquette by merely moistening their lips after fish come roast meats boiled vegetables and various delicate sauces with which you make your cuisine upon your own plate puddings and game of all sorts follow amongst which there is always to begin with one dish especially appropriate to the season it is to the former article of diet puddings that english children are indebted it is said for their excellent health and their magnificent rosy complexions the cloth is at length removed and the mahogany table shines forth in all its splendour dessert follows consisting of a few sweetmeats or confitures but abounding in fruits from all five parts of the world and the produce of all the four seasons and including superb pineapples portugal grapes 
almonds red nuts of a delicious flavour dates figs rich juicy oranges etc etc the wine is brought in glass decanters ticketed and placed in silver stands these stands glide along the shining table which is as smooth as ice in the midst of silver or crystal vases filled with fruits etc the host after helping himself to wine pushes about the whole battery of decanters which going the round of the table soon regain their original situation a quarter of an hour elapses when the mistress of the house rises and retires followed by all the ladies it is then that the seance de vin begins the subject of conversation soon changes and political questions are discussed the conversation without getting stormy acquires that degree of warmth and animation which a good dinner when one is blessed with a strong head and a good digestion generally inspires hard drinking has generally speaking fallen into desuetude it is only fox-hunters and country gentlemen who remain faithful nowadays to that ignoble custom a gentleman who has any self-respect never so far forgets himself as to get tipsy for he would certainly be looked upon with an evil eye by the company if he were to enter the drawing-room with an indistinct articulation or with trembling legs dinner is over about half-past nine the gentlemen then rejoin the ladies to take tea and coffee and the conversation turns as before upon the news of the day on eight april consoles rose to par or one hundred pounds for one hundred pounds stock for the first time for nearly a century the last time they were at a hundred pounds was in seventeen forty nine the year after the peace of aix-la-chapelle at which period the public debt was rather more than seventy-eight million pounds the highest price the three per cents ever rose to previously was in june seventeen thirty seven and again in may seventeen thirty nine when they attained the high price of a hundred and seven pounds in september seventeen ninety seven they fell to forty seven and three eighths which is the lowest price to which they have ever fallen on twenty three may the derby was won by a horse called running rain which was the occasion of an action in the court of exchequer on one july before baron alderson it was alleged that the horse had not been truly described that he was not of the age which qualified him to run for the derby and that he ought not therefore to be deemed the winner of the race colonel peel the owner of orlando the second horse claimed the stakes on the ground that running rain was not the horse represented and mr wood the owner of running rain brought this action against the colonel mr cockburn who conducted the plaintiff's case gave the pedigree of running rain and his whole history among other things mr cockburn mentioned that in october eighteen forty three running rain won a race at newmarket that he was objected to on the score of age but eventually the stewards had decided in his favour the horse was originally the property of mr goodman and mr cockburn said it was because suspicion attached to some transactions of goodman and because certain persons had betted heavily against running rain that opposition was raised against mr wood receiving the stakes he made a severe attack on lord george bentick who he asserted was the real party in the cause witnesses for the plaintiff described the horse at various periods of its career 
it was of a bay colour with black legs and a little white on the forehead its heels were cracked and in eighteen forty two it broke the skin on one leg which left a scar george hickok a breaker of colts employed to break running rein in october eighteen forty two was cross-examined to this effect i know george dockery the trainer i never said to him damn it this colt has been broken before here is the mark of the pad on his back i showed him the mark but i never said those words or any words to that effect i don't know why i showed him the mark it was not big enough for the mark of a pad and it was not the place for the saddle to make it i told lord george bentick the same the mark of the pad never wears out i recollect being asked in the presence of mr smith what i had there and i recollect answering a four-year-old i have not the slightest doubt of it mr smith struck me for it i did not say afterwards that i had forgotten all about the horsewhipping and that the marks of the pad had worn out i never said either that somebody had behaved very well to me at an early period of the examination of witnesses mr baron alderson expressed a wish that he and the jury should see the horse and mr cockburn said he had no objection on the cross-examination of william smith a training groom residing at epsom it came out that the horse had been smuggled out of the way that it might not be seen by the defendant's agents the judge animadverting on this and on the evident perjury of the witness said it would be better that the horse should be seen by him and other parties the solicitor-general who appeared for the defendant was anxious that the horse should be seen by veterinary surgeons to which the other side objected maintaining that the mark of mouth by which alone those surgeons could judge of the age of a horse was a fallible criterion on the conclusion of the evidence for the plaintiff the solicitor-general in addressing the jury for the defence denounced the case as a gross and scandalous fraud on the part of the plaintiff the case for the defendant was that the horse was not running rein at all but a colt by gladiator out of a dam belonging originally to sir charles ibbotson and that it had the name running rein imposed upon it being originally called maccabeus and having been entered for certain stakes under that designation but his allegations were against goodman not against mr wood the former had entered into a conspiracy with other persons to run horses above the proper age the gladiator colt had been entered for races under the name of maccabeus before goodman purchased him and to run these races while the coat was in training for the derby for which he was entered as running rein goodman hired an irish horse which he disguised as maccabeus though a year older than that horse the gladiator colt the soi disant running rein when he ran for the derby in eighteen forty four was four years old the race being for three-year-old horses after hearing some evidence in support of these statements the case was adjourned till the following day the next day when mr baron alderson took his seat upon the bench a conversation ensued between mr cockburn and the judge respecting the production of the horse mr cockburn asserted that it had been taken away without mr wood's knowledge and thus it was out of his power to produce it he felt it would be vain to strive against the effect which must be felt by the non-production of the horse after the remarks of the learned judge on that point 
after some conversation however the case proceeded and two witnesses for the defence were examined whose evidence went to prove that running rein was in fact the gladiator colt mr george odell a horse dealer at northampton said he could swear to that fact the colt had two marks on one leg mr baron alderson remarked now if we could see the horse that would prove the case who keeps him away it is quite childish to act in this manner mr cockburn now stated that mr wood was convinced that he had been deceived and gave up the case mr baron alderson then briefly addressed the jury with much warmth and in a most emphatic manner directing them to find a verdict for the defendant observing since the opening of the case a most atrocious fraud has proved to have been practised and i have seen with great regret gentlemen associating themselves with persons much below themselves in station if gentlemen would associate with gentlemen and race with gentlemen we should have no such practices but if gentlemen will condescend to race with the blackguards they must expect to be cheated the jury found for the defendant and the effect of their verdict was that the derby stakes went to orlando and that crinoline should be considered the winner of the two-year-old plate at newmarket run the previous year punch in commenting upon mr baron alderson's remarks says they the gentlemen go among these knaves and swindlers these low-bred ruffians reeking of gin and the stables to make money of them they associate with boors and grooms jew gambling housekeepers boxers and bullies for money's sake to be sure what other motive could bring such dandies into communication with such scoundrels any more than he would willingly incur an infection unless he had some end in view and the noble patrons of the turf have a great end in view that of money this ought to have been sufficient roguery one would think for one race but it was not a horse named rattan was so evidently nobbled that two men connected with it rogers and braun were warned off all the jockey club's premises and yet another case a horse named leander ran in this race and so injured its leg that it was shot shortly afterwards it was suspected that it was four instead of three years old and on its being exhumed the lower jaw was missing the resurrectionists however cut off the head and veterinary experts confirmed the previous suspicions for this the owners messrs lichtwald were forever disqualified from racing this case occupied much time before the select committee of the house of lords the select committee on gaming in the commons in eighteen forty four report that your committee have some evidence to show that frauds are occasionally committed in horse racing and in betting on the turf but they feel difficulty in suggesting any remedy for this evil more stringent or more likely to be effectual than those already in existence on june one two royal visitors arrived here the emperor of russia and the king of saxony they had to pay the usual penalty of hard labour for a week in the house of commons on fourteen june mr t duncombe presented a petition from w j linton joseph mazzini and two others complaining of their letters being opened before delivery and praying that the house would be pleased to grant without delay a committee to inquire and give immediate redress to the petitioners and prevent the recurrence of so unconstitutional and infamous a practice 
Sir James Graham, Home Secretary, replied that the House must be aware that from as early a period as the reign of Queen Anne, power existed in the hands of the principal Secretary of State to detain and open letters passing through the Post Office, and the House would also be aware that this power had come under the review of Parliament at so late a period as the year 1837, and by the act of one Vic this power of issuing warrants to open and detain letters continued still vested in the Secretaries of State he must for fear of creating misapprehension by his answer state that the circumstances mentioned in the petition were to a great extent untrue as to three of the petitioners he doubted if their letters had ever been detained and no warrant as to them had been issued but as to one of the petitioners he had to state that on his responsibility a warrant had been issued as to the correspondence of that person which warrant was no longer in force on two july a committee of secrecy was appointed to inquire into the state of the law in respect to the detaining and opening of letters at the general post office and into the mode under which the authority given for such detaining and opening has been exercised and to report their opinion and observations thereupon to the house the committee met took evidence and duly reported when it being shown that the privilege was not often exercised the total number of warrants issued between seventeen ninety nine and eighteen forty four being only three hundred and seventy two and that of late years the average of warrants had decreased the public were satisfied and the subject dropped Chantry's equestrian statue of the duke of wellington which stands in front of the royal exchange was uncovered amidst much cheering it cost nine thousand pounds besides the medal on twenty three september barry a clown at astley's fulfilled his promise of sailing in a washing tub drawn by geese from vauxhall to westminster he successfully accomplished his voyage and repeated it on october eleven from the red house battersea where now is battersea park to vauxhall on eight october louis philippe the king of the french landed at portsmouth on a visit to the queen he was made a knight of the garter and generally feted and should have returned to france from portsmouth on the twelfth but the sea was too rough and he had to cross from dover instead but even this trip was delayed by a great conflagration at new cross station so that he really did not depart until the thirteenth i meet with the first mention of that eminent fertilizer guano in a commercial point of view in the times of the eighteenth october where it says that on sixteenth were put up for sale at liverpool in lots of ten tons each a hundred and eighty tons of the best african guano but one lot of five tons was sold and that fetched five pounds twelve shillings sixpence the next lot was not sold in consequence of the price offered being under that and the whole of the remaining lots were withdrawn there being no probability of the reserved price being realized it was then being fetched from ikabo an island off the southwest coast of africa but it was afterwards procured in large quantities from the chinka islands off the coast of peru on twenty eighth october the queen opened the new royal exchange with great state and the lord mayor w magney esq was made a baronet 
the reading-room at lloyd's was made into a throne-room for the occasion and a sumptuous dejeuner was served in the underwriter's room it was a very imposing pageant and pretty sight but although the exchange was formally opened no merchants assembled within its quadrangle until the first of the following january whilst on matters civic i must mention the very rare fact that sir william magnay's successor in the office of lord mayor mr alderman gibbs being hooted and yelled at on nine november whilst going to westminster and returning thence he had been churchwarden at st stephen's walbrook and the popular mind was imbued with the idea that something was wrong with his accounts so they virtuously insulted him he had a hard time enough of it both by land and water when going what his returning was is best told by a contemporary the ceremony within the court of exchequer having terminated similar uproarious shouts to those which had hailed the arrival of the new lord mayor now marked his embarkation for the city and in his passage down the thames with but here and there a solitary exception the civic barge was the target of repeated volleys of yells and groans levelled by no unskilful or ineffective voices at it from the banks and bridges of the river the landing at blackfriars was attended with a more concentrated attack of public execration for there an immense multitude was wedged together anxious to be spectators of the scene though not inactive ones on the procession passed amid the continued manifestations of public disapprobation of the present and respect for the retiring lord mayor many interrogations of a searching nature were repeatedly bawled forth not that they could reach the right honourable ear but they were exercises in that peculiar art styled talking at folks the same description must apply to ludgate hill st paul's churchyard and cheapside in which place some merriment was created by a party chanting in appropriate style o alderman gibbs pray dub up the dibs it was somewhat after four o'clock when the cortege arrived at the bottom of king street where immediately before guildhall yard about two thousand persons had collected and others pressing out of the several streets caused a dense mass to be formed this was the place where a parting salutation was to be presented to the new lord mayor by his pitiless persecutors and a very good view of the scene was attainable from an upper window at the western angle of gresham street hearty and continued cheering announced the progress of sir william magnay but as soon as the state coach with the new lord mayor arrived the yells and groans which broke forth were perfectly stunning never was the manner in which the two lord mayors had been received throughout the day marked with stronger contrast the accumulation of carriages in guildhall yard caused the detention of the state coach for some minutes during which a real tempest of execration was poured forth upon the unfortunate gentleman and many persons did not hesitate to testify their dislike to him in a manner to be condemned by spitting at the carriage their distance from which however defeated their intention in truth mr gibbs had to endure a perpetual and pitiless storm of hisses yells groans jibes sneers and jeers and at every stoppage where the crowd was in close proximity to his carriage unusually furious outbursts of indignation broke forth yet no missile was thrown during any portion of the day 
End of chapter 23